Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Just be kind to yourself. Be patient with yourself. We're all moving through a time that's um, extraordinary. But I'd like to think that maybe we were made for these times. Welcome, everybody, to the Jeff Mara podcast. If you are listening to this podcast in your car or on your mobile device or wherever, I just want to let you know that we do have a YouTube video of this podcast, and it's on our Jeff Mara podcast YouTube channel. So feel free to check out the video there as well. Today, we have a very special guest, and his name is Father Nathan Castle. Father Nathan has been a Catholic priest of the semi-contemplative Dominican order since 1979, and he is the author of the book, Afterlife Interrupted, Helping Stuck Souls Crossover. In his book, he writes about how he helps stuck souls who died suddenly adjust to the afterlife and crossover. Father Nathan, thank you so much for joining me today. It's going to be fun. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this for about a week or two, so I'm glad it's finally here. How did you get started in this unusual work? The first of uh, the of the souls that came to me needing a little help showed up about 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had the practice of consecrating my sleep and my night prayer right before sleep for mm-hmm. Since childhood, I was taught to do that, and then it was reinforced in my Dominican order. Can can you back up um, one? I hate I hate to cut you off, but I don't have much of a religious background. So, what do you mean when you say consecrating in your sleep or before your sleep? Before going to sleep, mm-hmm. I say my prayers, mm-hmm. and I imagine my consciousness as being an object that I could hand to God. Hmm. Okay, I'm not going to be needing this for the next seven or eight hours. Mm-hmm. I'm going unconscious. Hmm. Could, would you like to have my consciousness? Hmm. And there's a prayer in a monastery that's called Compline, which comes from the word complete. Hmm. So it's the idea that you wind down in prayer uh, and acknowledge that you're about to go unconscious, and then you hand your consciousness to the Holy Spirit. That's very so interesting. So that the Holy Spirit might be able to, Yeah, and that, you know, it could work for uh, non-religious people to adapt the practice to their own liking. But it's uh, handing over to your higher power, your conscious and Mm. saying, if you can do anything with me while I'm asleep, that's easier that way. Please be my guest. Mm. So I've done that for decades. I'm 64 years old. But 22 years ago, I was asleep and a man showed up in one of my dreams in a way that was groundbreaking. Mm. Never happened before. Uh, the beginning of the dream was just my own dreamscape. I play golf and I was in my dream. I was finishing a round of golf. My companion and I were going into the 19th hole for a drink. Mm-hmm. And it turned out we walked into a silent auction in progress. Mm-hmm. Have you been to one of those? Uh, I believe, well, I believe so. I mean, usually aren't those just, there's things out laid on tables and you, and you can write up and say, I'll donate 50 bucks for this or whatever. Yeah, there's some object and uh, you write down your name and a, an amount you were willing to pay for it. And then during the time of this silent auction, you have to keep checking it to see if you're still the higher bid. Mm. Uh, 
So anyway, it was just a bunch of stuff, donated stuff in, in this part of the dream. And I've worked nonprofits my whole life. Raising money is just a part of the whole package. So that was nothing unusual about that until I looked across the room and on the wall, kind of the way that we now hang our TVs on the wall. This was a long time before we had TVs on walls, but mm-hmm. um, I looked across the way and I said to my partner, look at that God awful thing over there. Isn't it horrible? Who in the world would give that to charity? But it, whatever it was, was so nasty that I needed to get a better look at it. The way that we can't turn away from a car crash on the freeway, yeah, you know, Uh and I went toward it and it came toward me and we met in the middle and the inside the picture frame, a movie began to play. It was, it was a, it was a young man sitting on the radiator of a car from the late 1950s, the kind with fins and lots of Chrome. Mm-hmm. He hadn't been in a crash. He was sitting on the radiator with the hood open and his feet were on the bumper and he was looking at me. And he burst into flames and started screaming. Hmm. And he was mad at somebody on the outside of the picture frame to the lower right where the artist's name usually goes. He was screaming and angry at somebody outside the picture frame. And I woke up. Um, and it had the, I, I've often had to sleep with a pager on the nightstand because as a priest, you have to take your turn in case there's a call from the hospital in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And if you get called in the middle of the night, it's usually the nurse's station saying somebody's in trouble and we need a priest right now. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't, that wasn't what it was, but it had the same feeling. Mm-hmm. I've just been contacted because somebody's uh, in distress and needs me. Hmm. That's interesting. So that happened 22 years ago. So you, this person contacted you in a dream. Did you make contact with him outside of the dream? I did. I was on a retreat and uh, I was leading the retreat with a group of about 20 people, one of whom was a close friend of mine who had been a prayer partner. And I knew that she had spiritual gifts that might be handy, uh, discernment gifts, how to, how to know what's what. And she also had um, uh, a gift that came in particularly handy. We went into prayer and I said, would you help me? There's this guy and I don't know what we're, what I'm supposed to do. And she, we sat in prayer for a while and she said, well, whoever it is, he really wants to talk to you. Would that be okay? Well, I knew that she had a facility for allowing speech to move through her. Mm-hmm. We had said our prayers to Michael the Archangel, Holy Mary. I would not do that without protection because I tell people don't pick up hitchhikers here or hereafter. Mm, that's interesting. It's not safe. Yeah. Um, not everybody has your good... Uh, your has good intentions towards you on this plane or the next. Mm. You don't have to be afraid of everybody, but you need to be uh, prudent. Mm. And so we said protective prayer and I said, sure, go ahead. And out of her came this man's voice. And he said, uh, who the hell does he think he is taking me just when my life's getting good. And mm. I said, well, hello, my <laughs> name's Nathan. You came into my dream. Uh, this is what I saw. Did I get that right? And he said, yep, that's how I died. Oh, and wow. it went on. And it's it's the prologue of, of my book, Afterlife Interrupted. If anybody wants to hear it, it's on Amazon as an audio book and, you know, uh, ebook and all that. But anyway, he uh, he we, he we, he told us a story and we learned that he had died when he was 20 years old. He got his high school girlfriend pregnant. They married. He They got a rent house that had a detached garage. 
And he and a buddy went in and created a small business repairing cars in the garage. And the day of his death, they'd been drinking a little. It was Sunday dinner. And his friend made some casual comment that he thought was insulting towards his wife. And they took it outside. Mm. And they went over to the shop. They And uh, somehow, he doesn't even know how it happened that his clothes caught fire. But they did. And... Uh, he died in a ball of fire and was just a flaming ball of anger. Mm. But then we said, well, okay, you've got our attention. How can we help you? That's what you do in a counseling situation. You know, if you came into my office and said, Father Nathan, uh, you know, I want to talk, I'd have to say, Jeff, how can I help you? And, and he said, my wife, my wife, she's an old woman now. He died in 1960. Mm. And this was, this dream was in about 1998. Okay. Uh, and so uh, he said, my wife, she's an old woman now. She married up. She married again and she married her lawyer and moved to South Carolina. They had been in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had no more children. He said, I got no beef with that man. He did a fine job raising my son, but my wife's dying of cancer. I want to greet her when she passes, but I can't the way I am. Hmm. I said, oh, well then, uh, what have you done since you died? Nothing. I said, well, well, then we're going to have to make up for lost time and we're going to have to hurry because cancer has its own schedule and it's not going to wait on you. If, if We're going to need to hurry you and people generally don't like being hurried. So if at any point I push you faster than you want to go, you say so and we stop. But I'm not going to do it for no reason. I'm doing it because you're telling me you need you have a short term goal. So I'm going to hurry. So it took us about three sessions because we'd never done this before. Uh, we, it was only about two and a half weeks total, but we helped him over a period of several sessions figure out what needed to happen for him to greet his wife. Hmm. And did he need to go to the other side or enter heaven before he could greet her? Or what was he needing? He was so angry because uh, he decided somebody told him that the reason that people die is because God takes them. Mm. And who the hell does he think he has taken me when just in my life's getting good. Mm. So we had to kind of peel that back and say, wait a minute, where'd you get that idea? Mm. Who taught you that? Mm. How did you even know there was a God? Because not everybody even knows that. Mm. And he said, well, my mom, she taught me my prayers. Uh, She beat me while I knelt by my bed. Mm. I said, well, that sounds nutty. You know, why would anybody do that to a child? She said, I don't know, but she just did. Uh, and I said, well, can you, can, can you imagine that maybe you learned a weird thing or two about God from a mother who beat you while you prayed? Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't like that. But I said, just hold that thought. People, did anybody ever misunderstand you? Did anybody decide something about you that wasn't true? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, do the math. God is way bigger than you. It happens to God all day, every day. Mm-hmm. People are always saying things about God that aren't true, even if they think they are. Mm-hmm. So maybe you just got some bad information. Mm-hmm. Uh he said, well, it was my pastor. And I said, well, I'm a pastor too. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Catholic priest. And he said, a Catholic priest? Oh, shit. I said, well, I am. That, that's what I am. And that's where that's who you're talking with. And I just I just think you need to uh, it, maybe form a new thought or hold open the idea that maybe God didn't kill you and burn you to death. Because I don't think that's true. Yeah. And then I said, well, we need to get you into circulation if we need to get you haven't been with he hadn't been with anybody in 40 years. Because he didn't want to be in any anybody. Do you think he's just like wandering around the earth, like with everybody else here, invisible, or do you think he's like, what kind of 
where do you think he's existing? I mean, obviously it's kind of like another dimension or something, but like a place that's just all dark or did you get anything? We from asked him, him that. Oh, okay. Well, exactly. Why wouldn't you ask that? Mm-hmm. You're a smart guy. You just ask that question because mm-hmm. it's important. And we asked it too. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, it's not on the earth. It's just someplace that has nothing in it because that's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He didn't, he wanted everybody to go away and leave him alone. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't go completely alone because, uh, in the Catholic church, we call it a guardian angel. And that's mm-hmm. not just a figment or some story to tell children anything. I believe that we have some people call them guides or spirit guides or mm-hmm. whatever. Well, we each have one and they don't abandon us upon our death of our body. Mm-hmm. They stay with, especially if we need help. And so he said, well, he sits over there and he doesn't say anything. He just sits over there. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we said, well, we think we don't you think, if, if you, you haven't been with anybody since you died, don't you think we ought to practice with somebody? You know, so that when your wife dies, you've, <laughs> you, you, have a, you, you know that you can move. Mm-hmm. So let's practice with somebody. We thought about his mom, but she's the one that beat him when he prayed. So we kind of nixed her. So what about your dad? He said, well, I, I, he died when I was 10 in the war. And I said, Vietnam, no, Korea. I thought, duh, 1960, Vietnam hadn't happened yet. He said, well, I, I, I didn't really know him very well and he was away and I was kind of afraid of him. Hmm. So I did a counseling technique is when people go low, you go high or try to help them go high and say, okay, tell me about the best moment. Did you and your dad ever have a great time together? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, one time we went and looked at cars. I said, okay. And he was a car guy. He was running an auto repair business when he died. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, what if we were to ask your dad to come and be with you and we can you make it safe so that he can't come too close and can't stay too long? Like I said, if I'm kind of afraid of somebody, I stay near the door uh, or I say, I'm only going to come in for a minute. Can you limit it some way like that? And he said, yeah, I think I can do that. And I said, well, then would it be okay if we just ask God to send your dad? Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, that'd be okay. So we didn't make a great big long prayer out of it. I just said, God, uh, Ray would like to be with his dad if his dad's available. Could that happen? Mm-hmm. And he moments later, he went, looky there. And I said, well, what are you looking at? I don't see what you see. And he said, well, it's my dad. <laughs> I said, well, what's he look like? Does he look scary or do you think you're being tricked? And he said, no, it just looks like my dad. And I said, well, do you think you could do like Hansel and Gretel? Could you go off with him, but make sure that you leave a trail of breadcrumbs? Can you make make sure that you you know that you're safe where you are? Can you make sure that you know how to get back there if you need to? He said, yeah, I think I could do that too. And I said, okay, well, why don't you guys go do something and we'll catch up with you in a few days. Mm -hmm. So a few days later, we went back into our protective prayer and said, hey, Ray, what's up? And uh, and he said, said, well, uh, me and my dad, we we got together. And I said, what'd you guys do? And he said, well, we went and looked at cars. Mm -hmm. I said, well, how'd you do that? He died in the early 50s. You died in 1960, and now it's 1998. Did you have to go back in time? He said, no, we went and looked at the new ones. Hmm. That's interesting. So somewhere on God's green earth, there was a father-son reunion over looking at cars, Hmm. which to me sounded like really a guy thing. Yeah. Don't you think? Of course. Yeah. Do you think that while he's there and in general, um, there is no time? like time stops existing. So, you know, the 30 years for him could have been one day or something, you know, precisely. He didn't, it wasn't like he felt like he'd been in jail for 40 years or anything like that. It was outside of time. Mm. 
Although he knew that his wife was still inside time and he knew that she was now an old woman Mm -hmm. and and dying of cancer. Mm -hmm. So he was able to keep tabs on her because that's what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. He did form that intention. He really didn't form any other intention that I can remember. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to watch his wife. And he formed the idea that what he really wanted more than anything was to greet her when she crossed. Mm. So it's, um, so that's what we worked with. That's great. And on your last day, did you just, he felt good and you said your goodbyes or what happened? All we did was uh, we greeted him one last time and said, Hey Ray, what's up? And he said, big news. My wife passed. Oh wow. I said, well, that's very big news. Uh, what uh tell us about that and he said um i i told him in the meanwhile i think i know what's the matter ray he said what i said (laughs) you're a caveman every time you talk about your wife you act like you'd grab her by the hair and drag her into your cave you when you talk about her you never acknowledge that that there's anybody else important in her life but you Mm -hmm. and i don't you think it would work and he didn't like that he grumbled and i said listen i'm being rough on you because remember i told you we're going to have to go fast and I'm not going to be polite today. I'm just going to tell you the truth because I think you can take it. I think that you need to behave like a gentleman. Now, you think that you're the only one that she loves. She's in her 60s. She's met people that you didn't even know that she loved after she died. You're the, But you're the only... Oh, no, to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, on the radio. Uh, no, this okay. is okay. Uh, um, you're, uh, she's got friends and parents and siblings and stuff you're going to be in a crowd, not probably a small one. Cause I don't think there's a huge surprise party for a person that just died. Mm-hmm. I think it should be a little gentler than that. And, but you belong there because you're her only dead husband and you're the only person with whom she had a child. Mm-hmm. There's no question you belong there, but you just have to get, prepare yourself to be in a small group mm-hmm. and just be polite. Well, he told me, well, she passed and she said, uh, he said, um, you'd have been proud of me. Mm-hmm. I was a perfect gentleman. Mm-hmm. He got to be there and got to be a part of the welcoming party, which is what he wants. There were just a few people. He told me he was a perfect gentleman. And uh, I said, well, I guess our work here is finished. And um, I, I guess we say goodbye. But before you leave, I wonder now that you are an official afterlife greeter, I wonder whether you wouldn't mind keeping an eye on me. And when you see it's my time to cross, I wonder if you wouldn't mind being in the welcoming party for me. And he said, why, sir, I would be most honored. Just look for the perfect gentleman. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? That's awesome. Uh, have you told that to every person that you've helped to be there? So you may have like, you know, 250 people there when you show up. I haven't. No, I, I, I just, that just came out of me at the time. And um, he, he went on. Uh, I only tell their stories if later they give me permission. Mm-hmm. So I did contact him. Sometime after that, a year or two later, when I started to write a book. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was many years later. Mm-hmm. And by that time, he told me that um, I only wanted a yes or no answer. I didn't have to have a conversation. Is it okay to use your story? Yes mm-hmm. or no. Mm-hmm. But he said, um, you know, I really never liked school and it never liked me. Mm-hmm. He said they were always teaching me things I didn't want to know about. Mm-hmm. But now, after I found out how to greet people in the afterlife and did it once, I thought, you know what? I think I'd like to learn more about this. And I, I, I bet there's more to learn about it. And so they took him to a place with other people where um, there's something like an afterlife school. If that's what you'd like to do, here's mm. how you learn to get good at it. Mm. So he learned, uh, he went to school to be an afterlife greeter. Mm, that's and interesting. So yeah, uh, apparently there's enough people that die um, sudden 
abrupt deaths that need a little extra help on their crossing. Yeah, I could see that. You know, some deaths are probably shocking to people, yeah. and, they're, and they're they're obviously just being in wherever they are is disorienting. But then you you combine that with the shock of the death, and I love that word disorienting mm-hmm. because it means to not know where it's, where the east is, where the oh. sun comes up. Oh, oh, that's interesting. I never that's so that's so great that you told me that. I never put that word together. Yeah, oriented. I love, uh, he uh, he was certainly disoriented. It's hard to know where <laughs> what's what yeah. when uh, you know, the sun's not coming up in the east anymore. Mm. Anyway, uh, he's uh, he's a sweet soul mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, I, I call him one of my book people and I, I call them together as like in a, as a team when I pray mm-hmm. and I'm asking them right now to help with the second book because it's in production. Uh, and, and I always hope that it'll find its way in the world where it needs to go. Like, I don't know why we're even having this interview. You heard, heard me somewhere and we've, we're, we're looking at each other for the first time, but here I am on your show. So. I think, yeah. Yeah. The world or God works in mysterious ways you know it's so many things are unexplainable sure well anyway i ask them to do whatever they can and they're not all religious people Mm -hmm. but i say if you do if you pray or do anything even remotely like it you know if you have any spiritual practice or anything like that would you uh would you do it for me (laughs) would you do whatever you do uh so that the message that i have uh finds its way to people need to hear it I want to go a little bit off topic because I think it would be interesting. And I don't know how much you know about guardian angels, but I find that very interesting that you said that everybody has a guardian angel. And um, I don't have much religious. I didn't grow up in a religious family. I didn't go to church unless I spent the night at my friend's house. I basically have zero religious education except whatever I kind of looked at and read on my own. So do you think that an angel was previously a person that lived on earth, moved on, and then had some kind of spiritual growth? Or where do the angels come from? In the Catholic Christian tradition that I'm trained in, uh, uh, we understand them to be a next order of being kind of above us in Mm -hmm. complexity. You ever seen one of those lines that might have been in a classroom with an amoeba on one end and homo erectus on the other end and all the... you know, a kind of an ascending curve of complexity and mm-hmm. and somehow the human at the far end of the spectrum is the pinnacle of it. Right. Well, our understanding is that that's where materiality leaves off, mm-hmm. that among the material beings on the earth, we have the most complexity, but then materiality drops off and there's a spiritual uh, kind of being that uh, that continues along that trajectory mm-hmm. and that kind of next in that are the the guardians the the, the angels share with us personhood mm. personality oh interesting um, intellect freedom um they don't share materiality although they the ones that guard us get used to being upon the earth and so they're not they're not native to time but they know how to move in and out of it mm-hmm. uh they can sometimes materialize in odd circumstances if it's necessary if you read angel books in any metaphysical store or library, mm-hmm. you're going to come across experiences where people were in heavy traffic changing a tire and somebody shows up and vanishes into thin air. It's stories like that where somebody uh, helps them in some tight circumstance. Sometimes that truly, truly is 
a guardian who shows up materially just long enough to accomplish a task. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is named Philip James of the line of Michael. He's a part of my regular prayer life every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and it's, you sort of end up thanking him at the end of the day for, I don't know exactly what you did today, but mm-hmm. thanks anyway, <laughs> whatever, whatever you did, I'm grateful for it. Um, and I believe they can help uh, there because they're spiritual beings. They can help you form your consciousness and not be so easily distracted or pulled down by negative thoughts. Why not? Your guardian can help you move on a, to a high, kind of higher wavelength in your mm-hmm. own imagination and your own consciousness. Mm-hmm. That's some of the ways that, that the guardians work. Do you feel like they're connected with your consciousness on some way? Yes. And they can be more connected to it if they're invited. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that you might say to someone, uh, Hey, my house is your house. Mm-hmm. Come over anytime. Mm-hmm. But that's nice. But it's also uh, nice to hear, Hey, we're going to have a little dinner party on Friday. We sure hope you can come mm-hmm. something more specific than that kind of generic. Um, so you can invite your guardian into a particular, um, Quandary, you know, you might be pondering something and can't you're weighing different options and confused about things or and then sometimes it's not just your own consciousness, but it might be a coworker or a spouse. And there might be some drama going on where somebody's been offended about something and you get all this cloudiness that's going on because of you know, jumbled emotion and so on. You can ask your guardian to come in the middle of it and bring peace and clarity. Mm-hmm. Say, let me just see truth here mm-hmm. and help me be loving here. Mm-hmm. and help me be of service to the people around me. And while I'm doing all that, I need to make up my mind about this pending decision. Mm-hmm. Anybody that meditates, do you have a meditative practice, any kind of sitting still? or um, I did many, many years ago. I don't anymore. Lately, my what I have been doing is every day I try to spend about two minutes in the morning writing what I'm thankful for. All right, there you go. Well, one, one thing that... Um, that a lot of folk do is some sort of um, the Buddhists call it um, a a contemplative sit where you just sit and try to think of nothing. Mm -hmm. I I coach people to do it with their iPhone, Mm -hmm. set your phone to seven minutes Mm -hmm. because as soon as you try to, to to do, to begin even basic uh, contemplative sit, you're going to start thinking how long have they been sitting or how much longer until <laughs> if you know the phone is taking care of the time, I, I, I go on the little clock thing and right. hit the timer. So I don't need to think about time. I want to be outside of time anyway. And then I do a simple negation. I imagine myself sitting on the bank <laughs> of a river, mm-hmm. maybe with my feet in it. And all it does is flow from left to right. And then anything that I think about, if I become aware that I'm having a thought, I'll say, I, I have a thought, but I'm not my thought. And I'd let it drop into the river and float away. Hmm. Or I think about what am I going to do um, after this is over? Oh, hmm. I'm having a plan, but I'm not my plans. And I let my plan fall in and float away. Hmm. You know? Strategy. Oop, I'm strategizing something. I'm, I'm not that. So it's a simple negation until you just get used to just being. And that can be so helpful because all the drama of uh that stays at the surface have you ever scuba dived no i haven't have you ever ever done scuba diving? no um 
I, uh, when you do a dive off a dive boat, when you don't walk in from the shore, but when you jump in to deep water with weights on you, you know, you're going to sink. And I get scared every time I do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want, I want to stay at the surface and I want to cling to the rope. It's the worst thing you can do because that's the place where it's most agitated. Yeah. If you let yourself go down, it gets calm and then your breathing gets calm and then you get used to being in the new environment where you're breathing underwater. A contemplative practice can get you out of the agitation, whether you're a theist or not, whether you believe there's a God or not, everybody can do this and they can experience themselves as uh, something larger than their drama body Mm -hmm. or their, their ego body. Mm -hmm. And there's a me that's larger than that. It's uh, it, it can really be helpful. People have been trying to bring it into school systems and prisons and stuff to help uh, people with ADHD or people that have had lots of conflict in their life just be still and experience them as a still person. Yeah, I think that would be a great idea. It's fun to do. And I, I have some, uh, you know, uh, tapes and stuff that I've done, uh, little videos and things that mm-hmm. they're all over the place. Anybody that looks for that will find it under every rock. But I just have my own little version of it oh that's cool back to guardian angels are they there like is your sitting right next to you somewhere right now and i have one sitting here in the room are they only kind of come when you need them or or how does that uh, they're always on the job think of them like a secret service agent mm-hmm. their job is to be in the room watching mm-hmm. guarding mm-hmm. and so they're never far away when we were little kids in catholic school they used to tell us to sit over to one side of the desk so there's room for your angel oh wow it's a way to get a child used to thinking of it that way. Uh, yeah, no, they're always next to you. And they the, the sweet thing about them is um, because they were with you in the womb and everywhere since, um, they know you like hardly anybody does. They know you better than your best friend does. Yeah. Just because they've, been, they've had access to all of it forever, and it's holy. Mm-hmm. They weren't eavesdropping. They were not, you know, they were they were on duty because the God who created you created them and, mm-hmm. and paired us mm-hmm. put us together on purpose. We're, we're not uh, utterly alone in the universe. We're paired. Well, it's interesting to think about, you know, pairing. Yeah, it is. You can play with it too. You could try it on your own in whatever way that you do uh, uh, focus and say, Hey guardian, I talked to this priest guy and he said, I have one of you. Uh, you could just play with it and experiment with it on your own terms. And there doesn't have to be a particular orthodoxy about it. You can mm-hmm. just play with it, see what happens. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Any of your five senses can be a way in, uh, but it just requires some stillness. And say, if you want to have me see what you might look like, uh, I'll close my eyes. Uh, if, if you want me to hear you, I'll try to do that too. Um and then don't expect something, uh, I don't know, extraordinary on the first try. If I handed you a banjo, mm-hmm. would you know what to do with it? Right. You'd probably have to practice. Right. But maybe you could get, get facile with it. But it's kind of this kind of practice is sort of like that, too. If you don't demand uh, results of it and are just content to be in it, it's relational. Mm-hmm. You're a married man, right? Right. Um, you didn't just burst on the scene the first time you didn't drop to one knee the first time you laid eyes on this woman and ask her to marry you. Did you No. <laughs> there was probably some growth over time. Mm-hmm. It's relational. So it has that character to it where, you know, if you're faithful to the process, uh, you'll see some sort of, uh, result.
after we've been dead for a while, in your opinion, do we move on to another existence? Do people come back? Some people, you know, a lot of people, I think, believe that we need to learn something. And if you didn't learn it, you need to come back and learn it again. Um, what are your viewpoints on that? Well, I don't, I use the word die and death very specifically. Um, mm-hmm. Dying is like being born. It's a moment. Mm-hmm. After we're born, we don't talk about our birth very much. Right. It's, it was a moment. It was an event that uh, got us from one way of being to another, but we don't go on about it. Right. And people who have died don't stay dead. Right. They, they, they experience the movement outside of the physical body and they, even people that didn't believe in life after death acknowledge that, well, I'm still here. I'm still me. So whether they believe there was going to be, do, do you think fetuses believe in birth? Yeah, I don't know. I actually have people who die. That. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, be, uh, they, he, you just, you, people that die will recognize that they now are still them in another way, in a, mm-hmm. in a way that's somewhat like what before and somewhat different. And then they might have all kind of different pathways. Remember, I'm not giving a guided tour of the afterlife. All I'm doing is relating experiences in a book. Right. And most and my little peephole into all this is through these dreams of people that died sudden violent deaths. Mm-hmm. People that died more peacefully or with better preparation don't need what I and my partners do. Right. Most people at the moment of their death are greeted. Mm -hmm. In fact, have you ever seen anybody die? Have you ever Uh, witnessed someone's death? No. Um, For people who die of, um, for example, cancer deaths or deaths where there is hospice care and and clarity of mind where they are still able to speak, even though everyone knows that their death is approaching. Mm-hmm. Very often they began to have a visitation. There begins to be a overlap of worlds in the okay. last few days. Have you ever run across that? No, but I've um, heard about that. No, you might be. It's, it's quite common. It might be an experience. Should you one day experience the death of someone that you care about? You be still. Um, um, come on, you're going to have to go in the next room. Um, um, stop it. The, my phone is ringing on silent. That's what he was, he's responding to. A little, he's hearing the voice that something in my pocket. Um, very often there's an overlap of worlds. You can be talking to a person whose death is approaching and then they'll say hello to their mother who died 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're, they begin to have difficulty distinguishing between one plane and the next, and maybe they don't even need to because maybe they're beginning to move in that direction where the rules are changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that happens to, to a lot of folk, and many people have an experience like that to share. Um, um, everybody survives their death. That's just the rules. It's not about whether you believed in it or not, believed in God, believed in an afterlife. It's just the rules. It's just... You, you, when you can't, you're now the kind of being who will never stop being. They'll always be you. I believe you said that with the, f- the very first time you did this, you had a woman that was uh, assisting you. Yes. Your partners. Uh, Are, is she still assisting you today? Or have you found has somebody replaced her since maybe you've moved or something? Well, she died 10 years ago. Oh, so, okay. uh, 
she still assists me, but not so actively. She's, she sometimes surfaces in the background just to kind of wave at me, let me know she's around. Uh, and I can call on her to help and she'll help actively when I ask her to. Uh, but I've had many other partners. My first book was about the Wizard of Oz. Mm. And one of my metaphors for life is the Yellow Brick Road. And if you're faithful to it, you go around the bend and you meet the next important person. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't know that there was going to be a Tin Man until you came into that forest with apples. Right. <laughs> you know? And I've had many other prayer partners along the way. I have a bunch of them now, and I've learned that we can do it over Zoom because, you know, because of the of COVID, we haven't been able to always get together in person. Mm-hmm. So the process works just fine mm-hmm. uh, over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I've had lots of lovely people, and I I go I travel in some of these circles now where um, I was going to afterlife conferences and. Uh, do you, do you know of IANDS, I-A-N-D-S? I know of it. I've never been to a conference. It's the International Association for Near-Death Studies. Mm-hmm. It's about a 50-year-old organization, and uh, I'm a member, and I'm active in their activities. And uh, so, and when, you're, when you move in this world of consciousness studies, you meet everybody's everything. Mm-hmm. You meet every kind of religion or philosophy or... Uh, you know, druids and um, shamans and priests and mm-hmm. scientists and everything. Death is a great equalizer. And lots of people are interested in death and consciousness and what is a consciousness? Why do I even have one? Right. Um, uh, and, and, and then one uh, movement into it is quantum physics. Mm-hmm. The fact that the physics that, that was uh, the agreed upon kind 110 or 20 years ago shifted. And now uh, states of matter being solid, liquid, or vapor. Well, no, no, those are all, it's true. Those are states of matter, but underneath each one of them is energy. Mm-hmm. There's, there's frequency and you appear to be a solid, but uh, at the subatomic level, you're a quivering bunch of energy yes. shaped like you. Yes. <laughs> Let and me when get- you leave this body, there'll still be a quivering bunch of energy that's still going to be you. And one of the fun things is you can, uh, if you want to reassemble it into the thing that looked like your 40 year old self, you can either do that or learn how to do it really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can play with what they, what they look like in the afterlife. They're recognizable uh, and they, but they can make themselves easily recognizable. Sometimes in your house, are there pictures of elderly relatives or great grandparents or something, mm-hmm. or maybe your grandparents on their wedding day or your grandfather in his um, army uniform? Sometimes, you know, they lived another 60 years and don't didn't look like that for a long time. But in the afterlife, sometimes they'll appear like that because it's a shorthand. Mm-hmm. You'll recognize me if I, if I showed me, show you me, from myself to you this way. Mm-hmm. And then after that's accomplished, then they can kind of morph into something else. Uh, yeah. Makes sense. My dad turned into his 19 year old self for a while after he died. Um, he, my dad uh, was born during the depression and was starving and had to work hard all the time, uh, even as a little kid. And he did that all his life long and all of his leisure was backbreaking. He would, he had five of us kids 
and he bought a farm that always needed fences fixed and cows tended to. And so mm-hmm. all this leisure was just hard work. Yeah. And then he got into the afterlife and they told him, Max, you're working too hard. I'm down, <laughs> relax. <laughs> and, and he said to me, son, they want me to relax. I haven't the first idea how to do that. Yeah. And I said, looks like you're going to have to learn. And he said, yeah, I think so. And he, he told me, well, I thought about it and I decided to be my skinny me. He, he went to college for one semester. There was no more money. It was 1939, uh, depression time. And he went out to sea as a merchant seaman because he needed a job, meals, and a place to be. And he said, I thought I was just getting a job, but I was having an adventure. I was a young man out in the world. Um, I hadn't met your mother, didn't have you kids. I, I was having a, I was working, but I was also having an adventure. And so they said, well, why don't you try that again? So I'm going <laughs> to, until your mother passes, he died 14 years before she did. said, until your mother gets here, I'm going to be my skinny me. And, and he said, I'm looking all over the place for things I can show her when she gets here. Wow. Late in life, they wanted to travel. They always wanted to take a cruise to Alaska and they never got to do it. Mm-hmm. So he was looking for things that, he, that they could do uh, after she passed uh, just to have some fun. That's cool. So for a while, he turned 19 to uh, help himself learn what he needed to learn. Let me catch a question here from uh, the audience. Are you still doing this work? And how often does somebody, you know, approach you in your dreams? About once a week. Once a week. And um, yeah, uh, right now I am, uh, I'm up to, this is mid to third week of October I'm to about the third week of August right now. Uh, I've got about eight in the line. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to make an appointment with one of my prayer partners, you know, like you do, like we did to arrange this show mm-hmm. and put it on your calendar. And then mm-hmm. I try to leave two hours and uh, we usually can do two crossings in that amount of time. Mm-hmm. 45 minutes to an hour with any one of them. Mm-hmm. They don't take very long and they've all been vetted. I don't get difficult cases that don't mm-hmm. want to do it. Mm-hmm. They've all been vetted. They've, they've all been told ahead of time. Mm-hmm. They even know that uh, one of my favorite questions is, uh, uh, can you think of anybody that died before you did who you know loved you? Mm-hmm. So uh, is there somebody that's already on the other side that you know loves you? It wouldn't scare you to see them, and mm-hmm. you would trust them if they came for you. Mm-hmm. And so they all seem to know it in advance now. And they're standing in something like a line and they almost all overhear the one ahead of them. Oh, that's interesting. They kind of listen in, uh, and they get a feel for my prayer partner and me. And sometimes I can feel when they come in that this is going to be an easy one. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they even say, so. we'll say, I think compared to some of the other ones that you've dealt with, I think I'm going to be easy for you. Mm-hmm. Other times. Um, and, and just like with anything, it can be a kind of a gradient. Uh, one guy named Daniel said he, when he was asked if he was ready to do this crossing, he said, I'm ready enough. And he just barely was. There's some sort of a gradient. He was right on the edge and the people around him. One guy recently, he was a, he was in law enforcement and he was shot and killed on the job in his sister's yard. Hmm. And he was just mad as hell, red hot anger, but he was determined that he wanted to move along. And they made him promise. They said, you were a civil servant and you took an oath to serve and protect. And we will not let you go into that priest 
with a whole bunch of red hot anger. You have to contain it. <laughs> you have to promise that you can both say what you need to say inside him, but you can't just go crazy. Uh -huh. And so they made him promise that he would come in and show me what I needed to see, but that he wouldn't get all nuts about it. And it was, he was murdered. So he had a reason, he had a right to be angry sure. and they killed his sister. Wow. So he had plenty of reason to be red hot and he's going to be in the next book. He just goes by sheriff, mm -hmm. but he promised and he lived up to his word. Mm -hmm. He said, I came into you and I, 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 I didn't, I'd not stay very long. And I made, I, and I made myself promise that I wouldn't be, all spill anger all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, there's a he still has anger to deal with. Had to splay it all over the all over the place. There's a war going on right now with Armenia and Azerbaijan. Have you had anybody come through from that? And if not, do you have people that come through from you know Japan or other countries? In the new book, there's going to be a, a story of. Um, a man named Nadi, N-A-D-I, who died in Iraq mm -hmm. um, He at prayer. He was praying with a group of um, co-religionists, and their, their mosque had already been targeted by um, what he called the other kind of Muslim. It, was, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't nation states. It was religious violence. Mm. And... Uh, in the chaos in Iraq, his mosque had been bombed and he was a leader. He said, I wasn't an imam, but lots of things weren't functioning in normal ways. And I was a, I was a prayer leader and an elder. And he helped find them a, what they thought would be a safe place to pray. Mm -hmm. they, it was a warehouse that had no windows and only one door. And they thought that would be safe. It was sort of bunker like. But, you know, they don't the men and women don't pray in the same room. Yeah. And the women were in a different room, in a different place. And what they hadn't counted on was the people that were after them uh, went to where the women were, uh, kidnapped them, and threatened to murder them all if the men didn't come out. Mm. And then the men all had to decide whether their wives and children, <laughs> what were they going to do? Yeah. Do you go out and possibly get shot or not? And he just decided to go out. And when he got out in the street, he said, there, many people had been killed already and everyone was frightened and trying to find a place to hide. And he said there was a little girl with a machine gun and men standing behind her with a gun with guns to her head. And they told her that she had to shoot me or they'd shoot her and her mother and her sister. Wow. And so the little girl killed him. Mm. And uh, so that story is in the book, but he moves on really quickly uh, and wants to learn everything about the afterlife. And he said, I can hardly believe that I'm talking to an American yeah. and a Christian and even a priest. And then he said, and on top of that, I didn't know how to speak English. Hmm. So he, he was learning all these things in the afterlife and just felt like he wanted to die. Then he was also a businessman and he wanted to learn um, as much data as he could because businessmen collect data to make good decisions. Hmm. So he was he hit the ground running in the afterlife wanting to study everything he could and try to be a force for the good but in the meanwhile he said i can see how we were taught a lot of wrong things about groups of people yeah. and the reason i got killed was because somebody thought i was in the wrong group yeah. they were misinformed there's only one group <laughs> we're right. all the same and so he's a really sweet story he'll be in the new book 
besides the new book, do you have anything else that you're working on right now? Any other new projects? Um, there's a project that's kind of between the two books. I created a, um, I was working with a publicity and marketing company that helped me create a five hour long video series. I can send you a copy of it. You saw, when you were asking about the guardian angel, mm-hmm. there's a, a segment in there about the angels. Hmm. Um, what I'm trying to do is um, to be a Catholic priest at the service of anybody that wants to talk or, 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 or learn or listen. Mm-hmm. I sometimes say, do you know anybody that does yoga? Do you know anybody that does yoga? Kind of. Well, most people say yes. Okay. Um, uh, do they want to become Hindu? Right. Yeah. Most of them don't. Usually not. Yeah. They're not, they're not doing yoga because they want to be Hindu. They're doing yoga because there's something that one of the world's great religious traditions is contributing to the common good and anybody can do it. Yeah. So I'm trying to be that Catholic priest in this media world and say, you don't have to become a Catholic or a Christian or you, you don't have to believe what I say, but if you'd like to hear what, uh, what I've experienced and what this tradition has taught me, I think I'm able to make, make a stab at that. Hmm. So I've created a video series that uh, can be found on my website. My website is Nathan-Castle.com. It's just my name, Nathan-Castle.com. And, um, and because so many people are unemployed or, you know, out of work or whatever, you don't even have to buy it if you can't afford it. If you just email me from my website, it has one of those little envelope things where you can send an email from my website. And if you're interested uh, and you can pay anything, something's better than nothing on my end. But if you can't afford any of it, well, then I'll send it to you. I'll get it. You can, there's a way that I can give you a coupon code. And when you go, you know how when you're buying stuff online mm-hmm. and you go to the checkout page, mm-hmm. yeah. sometimes it'll say, do you have a coupon? Well, I can give you a coupon that's a hundred percent off. Hmm. So it bypasses PayPal thing uh, and allows you to buy the, it, it fools it into thinking you bought it uh, when you didn't really pay anything. I don't mind doing that. I, oh. I live a vow of poverty. I'm not trying to get rich. Yeah. I'm just trying to get a message out. Yeah, that's very kind. Um, so when do you think your next book is going to be out? It was, we were hoping for November the 1st, which in the Catholic world is all saints day. That's why All Hallows Eve is the, is the day before. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the Eve of All Saints. Um, but uh, was just too much to do. M- my sister is my editor, and uh, I think we both got COVID fatigue, mm-hmm. and we weren't working at the pace that we normally do. We were, mm-hmm. and she and her husband took a trip up to uh, Yellowstone, and she didn't have internet access and stuff. So we just decided we're pushing the deadline back into early December. Mm-hmm. So. And then we're going to be, for anybody that's interested, we're going to be doing an Amazon bestseller campaign, which just means trying to get everybody you know to buy the book on the same day and you blow up their algorithm. And so even if it's only for one 24-hour period, you get to be an Amazon bestseller if you outsold your category. So oh. that's we're, we're at work on that right now, trying to get everybody we know to buy my book on the same day. And oh. then um, – if you wanted to, you could be an early reader, which means I send you the new book in a PDF mm-hmm. and I ask you to write an Amazon review mm-hmm. that's ready to send on that day. Right. So you have it stored on your computer right. and you do have to buy the book on Amazon because they won't let you review a book that you haven't purchased from them. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? So. Uh. You'd still be on the book for for 1995, mm-hmm. but then I'll send you another copy of it that's mm-hmm. signed 
um, and you'd have an extra copy that you could give away as a Christmas present or something. So like that's that. a big project that's going on for the next six weeks or so is getting this new book out with all the publicity. Oh my God, I'm a 64 year old priest. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I learned, I, I got all my degrees on a typewriter uh-huh. and I don't know how to do Excel. And I barely, I, I've got all these helpers helping me with the YouTube channel. And mm-hmm. I mean, you learned how to do all this stuff. Here you are. Mm-hmm. This is your full-time job, isn't it? Yes, sir. And if you ever need help, you know, feel free to, to write to, you know, send me a message. I, I helped another one of uh, one of my podcast guests and and I'm happy to, you know, see what I can do for you. I, I would love that. Um, uh, there's always the next thing I don't know how to do, but part of the, the kind of what, part of the way I think that God has created the universe is that we're supposed to be interdependent anyway. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to be, you know, all these little self-sufficient pods floating around, mm-hmm. not needing anybody. I think we're supposed to need each other. Well, as you said before, maybe we're all supposed to be at least pairs because we are paired. Yes. Up. All kinds of all right. kinds. Mm-hmm. And some of those are for the long haul. Other times they're kind of temporary. You probably had a person or two pass mm-hmm. through your life briefly who mm-hmm. left a big imprint. Yes. Uh, it's not always for the long haul. Right. All right. Sometimes any, it is. Are there any other ways to contact you besides your website? Do you have like a Facebook or a, an Instagram account or was it mainly? I do. Uh, I have a, um, a Facebook business page that's Father Nathan Castle. Mm-hmm. That's the Facebook mm-hmm. page. Um, the YouTube channel is getting better. It used to just be a kind of uh, digital attic. It's just a place where I dumped odd video. Um, mm-hmm. And now I've got a helper that's going through it and organizing it and, and improving it, making the messaging better. But mm-hmm. yeah, I have a YouTube channel that's uh, Father Nathan Castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you just go to my website, it also has little links to LinkedIn, to uh, Facebook, and to YouTube. Um, and, and if people really want to contact me and get a prompt reply, I like email. Okay. Uh, I'm learning that people are contacting me in ways I didn't even know that I could be contacted and I mm-hmm. didn't get back to them because I didn't know mm-hmm. that that little button on Facebook means <laughs> there's, there's a message there or something. Yeah. It's, I'm really good at email. Yeah. And so uh, on my website, there's an info at Nathan Castle that sends you right into my inbox and I'll see that quickly. Ooh. And I'm pretty responsive to that. Do you have a lot of people that contact you for counseling and do you do counseling for the living besides the dead? I do. I do because uh, when you get into the topic, um, some stuck souls are still in this body. You know? You might've had a, a period of your life when you felt stuck um, or you might know somebody that you wish you could change things for them, but they're just stuck and seem to want to stay that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes I end up doing some of that. Um, what I'm asking of people is to kind of pay it forward model that I don't charge for my time. I'll do like a 30 minute call for free and anything beyond that. I'll ask you to pay something uh, because I can't go out in public anymore. I used to, most of my income used to be in front of groups. Mm-hmm. That's all gone away. So why is that? COVID. Oh, COVID. Okay. Yeah, I see. Oh, yeah, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, uh, people aren't, there aren't conferences right now. Uh, there aren't seminars. Everything's turned into a Zoom street festival. 
Yeah. <laughs> Tucson Festival of Books here, I would have been at, except there's not going to be one because it's too dangerous. So mm-hmm. it'll be another, you know, Zoom event. So right now I'm saying, if you wouldn't mind, if I, if you think that my uh, uh, talking with me is of help to you, there's a donate button on the site. All you got to do is hit it. I'm, I, I live about poverty, uh, but I still, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a member of a group that has 144 guys and 38 of us are young men in graduate school. Mm. And they all cost about $50,000 a year to put through school. So I'm trying to support me and one other. That's my goal. If I can mm. raise 88,000 bucks this year, that covers me and it covers one of the, of the young guys. Mm. We're kind of, you know, how like in a family, you're sort of the sandwich generation. You might be paying for your kids, mm-hmm. but you also might be paying something for mom and dad's mm-hmm. care or whatever. My parents had to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched them straddle taken care of too. So I'm sort of like that right now. I'm, uh, I'm trying to take care of the little, we're communists. <laughs> we live a communal life. There's 144 of us and we right. try and take care of each other. So I'm trying to take care of me and one other guy. You can find your first two books, the one about the, um, the yellow big road. What was the title of that one again? It's his name is Toto. Oh, Toto. It's that, that book is and and Toto to the Wizard of Oz as a spiritual adventure. Mm-hmm. What I do is I take the movie and break it down into scenes mm-hmm. and then muse about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Joseph Campbell's work. Yeah. Um, Joseph Campbell wrote about the, uh, the monomyth, the great mm-hmm. big circular story that he thinks is underneath all the other origin stories and odyssey stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wizard of Oz is a monomythic story. It, it's a great big circle. You end up back where you started. There's no place like home except you're completely different. Mm-hmm. And so I take the Wizard of Oz story and help people imagine their life through that lens. Mm. And I have a retreat that I can do on Zoom for any of your listeners where you could get a few people together and just watch the Wizard of Oz. And I lead you through questions about that you could ask yourself about your own self. Oh, that's that. interesting. Yeah. So that's my first book. And then Afterlife Interrupted is the second. And we, the working title of the third book is Afterlife Interrupted, book two. Okay, book two. That's We've already, good. we're trying to, we're, yeah, we're trying to, you know, use that branding. And uh, it's not that well known anyway, uh, but uh, we're trying to, um, you know, be consistent with uh, carrying that brand forward. Yeah, I think it makes sense. So, and it, it probably will be easier to find. Yes. Um, and it's found its way into, a, I've probably done, I don't know, maybe about 30 different uh, podcasts and uh, radio programs and, uh, and each of them have their followings. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of a pebble in a pond. Mm-hmm. You never don't know where, where all this is spreading out to, but it's, uh, I, I'm enjoying the process mm-hmm. of meeting up with people like you, who mm-hmm. I didn't know, you know 10 days ago. Right. I, you know, it's likewise for me. I mean, I I meet so many new people. It's very interesting for me. I kind of feel like I make new friends now all over the world yeah, every sure. time I, I meet somebody new. I mean, I, I said mass today. You know, uh, we, 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 when we say mass, we do sort of a dedication like you might do on a, one of those old radio shows. This, this, you know, somebody might call in and say, would you play this song for my boyfriend or whatever? Mm-hmm. But you dedicate a song. Well, we dedicate a mass, which is a, a, a communal prayer. And today I was, my mass was for a woman in London who I've never met who lives with three other people and one of them brought COVID home. And so mm-hmm. now they're all quarantined inside the London flat, but 
uh, she was watching, the mass was live streamed. So uh, Iram is her name in London. The mass was dedicated to her. I've never met Iram, but we're kind of like internet buddies. Well, that's cool. So before I wrap it up, is there some kind of message that you can give the audience? Well, um, particularly in COVID time, just be kind to yourself. Um, be patient with yourself. What, you know, if, if you're feeling out of sorts or frazzled, and then there's the whole political overlay of contentious elections and, Mm. um, you know, whatever you got going on, just be kind to yourself, be patient with yourself. We're all moving through a time that's, um, extraordinary, but I'd like to think that maybe we were made for these times, you know, Mm. it could be that, um, that when we, if we live long lives and look back on 2020, it might be that that was the defining time. It, it's, it might be that the light shines in the darkness and the, the time that was so challenging that we're moving through, um, maybe they had the most lessons to teach us or something like that. So I would just say, be kind to yourself. And then if you do have a spiritual practice, uh, dedicate yourself to it. Or like you were talking earlier, well, I do that. I, I get up in the morning and I do gratitude. Maybe you do what you're doing plus. Maybe you step up your game a little bit and whatever you're already doing that, you know, is good. um, Dedicate yourself to doing a little more. Yeah, I agree with that. And I appreciate you very much, Father Nathan. I wish you massive success on your book release day. I hope you get, (laughs) I hope not only do I hope you, you know, you're, it it extends beyond the release day. I hope it lasts for a long time for you. I would love that. And I, and I feel like we could be on the cusp. I would really like Mm -hmm. to, uh, to, to bring, uh, I just think it could be, it could make a difference in people's lives if they knew that the clock doesn't strike 12, especially for people who get older and more frail mm-hmm. or who's, uh, who are retired and who people talk about them in the past tense. What is it you used to do? What did you used to be? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you understand that you're eternal, it can make all the difference, right? You don't have to chase the clock. Yeah. Uh, you, you can, if you if you're disappointed that you didn't get to be the quarterback or the ballet and ballerina, you, well, except eternal eternity's eternal, mm-hmm. and if you really want that later, well, make a mental note. Mm-hmm. <laughs> later on, I want to do that. Why do you think that we don't know that from birth, or do you believe that that's a hidden message from us? Like, you know, I think maybe most people's one of their biggest fears is the fear of death. So why, why is that, that we're born, you know? It wasn't hidden from me because I was born into this grouping of people who, uh, that was their cosmology. That was Mm -hmm. what they thought. And they, they showed me the world as they knew it. Mm -hmm. So they taught me from day one. My mom used to teach me when I was a little boy. I didn't know how to form my own prayers, but she didn't make me do a repeat after me. And we we prayed for we sent blessings to people in in our house across the street, our cousins in Louisiana, and to our dead relatives. It didn't matter where they lived or, or which plane they lived on. You were connected to all of them. That I had a I had a mom and dad on earth, and I had a mom and dad in heaven. So anyway, I I grew up with that uh, understanding, but I you know a great many people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just feel like it's my job to try to say, well, yeah. Think of it this way or try it out. You can at least listen to the stories that I have to tell. And mm-hmm. if you don't want to listen, you change the channel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't buy the book. <laughs> it's, it's that easy.
All right, Father Nathan, I'm going to have to run, but thank you so much again for joining me. All right. I, I really I appreciate like it. And let's be in Yeah, and sure. I, would, I would like to All have right. you. I'd like to have you back when your new book comes out. Okay, it won't be long. So okay. let's plan it whenever you want. We're looking at the first week of December. Okay. All right, great. All right. All right. Okay, God bless you. God bless you. Have a good Bye-bye. evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.